Good evening. For WBAI News in New York and WPFW Radio in Washington, D.C., I'm Paul DiRienzo with a report of the day's news for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. A woman was shot and killed in the United States Capitol building today after supporters of President Donald Trump clashed with police and breached the building, forcing a lockdown with members of Congress inside. The protesters, some of whom were seen wearing body armor, made their way up the steps around 2.15 p.m., pushing through barricades. The rioters scaled walls, climbed viewing platforms and scaffolding set up for the inauguration. These efforts are lucky we're not here with our AR-15s, one man said, referring to a semi-automatic weapon more associated with mass shootings than protestings. The assault on the Capitol came as President Trump, speaking at a rally of his supporters, urged them to follow him to the Capitol and pressure members to overturn the November election and make him president once again. We're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want. But I think right here, we're going to walk down to the Capitol. And we're going to cheer on our brave senators and congressmen and women. And we're probably not going to be cheering so much for some of them. Because you'll never take back our country with weakness. You have to show strength and you have to be strong. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country, our country. Our country has been under siege for a long time, far longer than this four-year period. We've set it on a much straighter course, a much, and we, I thought, you know, four more years, I thought it would be easy. The speech was classic Trump, where he repeated his baseless allegations of voter fraud. Earlier this afternoon, President-elect Joe Biden spoke. He says the violence at the Capitol is an insurrection and democracy is under an unprecedented assault. I call on President Trump to go on national television now to fulfill his oath and defend the Constitution and demand an end to this siege, to storm the Capitol, to smash windows, to occupy offices, the floor of the United States Senate rummaging through desks, on the Capitol, on the House of Representatives, threatening the safety of duly elected officials. It's not protest, it's insurrection. Are you concerned about your inauguration, sir? Sir, have you spoken to McConnell today? Are you concerned about your inauguration, sir? Are you concerned about violence? I am not concerned about my safety, security, or the inauguration. I am not concerned. The American people are going to stand up and stand up now. 
Enough is enough is enough. President-elect Biden speaking afterwards, Trump posted a video basically begging the rioters to go home while repeating his false election attacks. I know you're pain. I know you're hurt. We had an election that was stolen from us. It was a landslide election, and everyone knows it, especially the other side. But you have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where such a thing happened, where they could take it away from all of us, from me, from you, from our country. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. President Trump, the iconic photos will probably never be forgotten. Security officers pulling guns pointed from inside the House chambers where furniture blocked the door. It looked like a scene from the film Olympus Has Fallen, where terrorists seize the White House. Members ducked under chairs and sheltered in the House gallery as marauding bands of protesters vandalized the office of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Illinois Senator Tammy Duckworth called from a location to assure her nation that the electoral vote ballots had been secured from the mob. This was very, very quick thinking, and she actually um, was able to grab and secure the Electoral College ballots and bring them with her to this location. So we have them with us, and we will be able to proceed as long as Mitch McConnell calls us back into session. Democratic Senator Tammy Duckworth of Illinois. A series of tweets described the horrors inside the Capitol. They read, someone heard a voice. How many guns? While another voice barked orders. Hide under the chairs. They're bulletproof. Take out the gas mask attached to the underside of each chair. Meanwhile, security agents evacuated staffers and members through tunnels to an adjacent office building. Democratic commentator Van Jones marveled at the freedom the protesters had wandering inside the building. I'm calling on all of my conservative friends, my Republican friends, to say, what would I do if Black Lives Matter dropped 30,000 black people on the nation's capital and laid siege to the seat of power in the middle of a joint session of Congress and broke in? What would I say if Black Lives Matter do that? I'm going to say that right now. What would, if Muslims did it, if Muslims dropped 30,000 Muslims on the seat of government in the middle of the joint session of Congress? and ran in there and there was blood on the floor and tear gas what would we be saying if you believe that we are all one people you don't like the hyphenations if you believe that we're all one country if you won't believe in law and order if you're against uh, traitors if you are for patriotism there needs to be a uniform denunciation from top to bottom of the republican party of what we're seeing and that's van jones on cnn this afternoon Meanwhile, the mayor of Washington, Muriel Bowser, announced a 6 p.m. curfew. The Pentagon sent 1,100 D.C. National Guard members that were mobilized to help enforce the curfew. In his speech to supporters today, Trump turned on his own vice president, Mike Pence, bashing him for declining to overturn the results of the election. Trump tweeted, his own vice president didn't have courage. 
to toss out the electoral votes. Numerous GOP officials have condemned the mobs descended on Washington, D.C. today. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell delivered a stinging rebuke. He says Trump's rationale is based on sweeping conspiracy theories, adding American democracy could be entering a death spiral. Our constitutional order requires respecting the limits of our own power. It would be unfair and wrong to disenfranchise, disenfranchise American voters and overrule the courts and the states on this extraordinarily thin basis. And I will not pretend such a vote would be a harmless protest gesture while relying on others to do the right thing. I will vote to respect the people's decision and defend our system of government as we know it. Mitch McConnell. Today's events began with what's usually a little notice ceremonial event, the official counting of the already certified electoral votes from the November presidential election. The Congress meets in joint session and each state delegation presents its ballots count to be ascertained by the vice president. But the process went downhill fast as the battleground state of Arizona presented its vote. As the House comes to order for this important historic meeting, let us remind that each side, House and Senate, Democrats and Republicans, each have 11 members allowed to be present on the floor. Madam Speaker, members of Congress, pursuant to the Constitution and the laws of the United States. The Senate and House of Representatives are meeting in joint session to verify the certificates and count the votes of the electors of the several states for president and vice president of the United States. After ascertainment has been had that the certificates are authentic and correct in form, the tellers will count and make a list of the votes cast by the electors of the several states. This certificate from Arizona the parliamentarians advise me is the only certificate of vote that the state purports to be a return from the state and that has annexed to it a certificate from an authority of that state purporting to appoint or ascertain electors. Joseph R. Biden Jr. of the state of Delaware received 11 votes for president and Kamala D. Harris of the state of California received 11 votes for vice president. Are there any objections to counting the certificate of vote of the state of Arizona that the teller has verified appears to be regular in form and authentic? President, I, Paul Gosar from Arizona. For what purpose Fort. does the gentleman from Arizona rise? I rise up for myself and 60 of my colleagues to object to the counting of the electoral ballots from Arizona. Uh, is the objection in writing and signed by a senator? Yes, it is. Are there further objections to the certificates from the state of Arizona? The chair hears none. The two houses will withdraw from joint session. Each house will deliberate separately on the pending objection and report its decision back to the joint session. The Senate will now retire to its chamber. When the objection, the first of three or four similar objections expected, was made, the two houses split and retired to their own chambers to carry out a debate 
that would last two hours. Both chambers have more than enough votes to preserve Biden's win, so the debate was a technicality. The senior fellow at the voting rights group Fair Vote is David Daly. He says today's events are a result of months of Trump's repetition of false claims and will severely damage American democracy. Republican senators and members of the House pushed and pushed and pushed, and they strained all of these ceremonial processes to their legal and constitutional breaking points to the extent that they wanted the vice president of the United States, and the president tweeted this last night, to effectively overturn the presidential election. The president asked the vice president to overturn the result of an election. He lost by 7 million votes and about 80 electoral college votes. Um, And that was what his people wanted to have happen today. And in order to support that, thousands of his protesters waving his flags have stormed the U.S. Capitol, breached the building. They are on the floor of the U.S. House, uh, and they have disrupted this entire process. What happens now constitutionally? What is is this a constitutional crisis or a law enforcement crisis, and they'll get back with it as soon as possible? The process here is that every time a state elector slate is objected to, there's a two-hour debate. So people thought that this might go into the night, perhaps into tomorrow. There were a half dozen states that were likely to be objected to, so you're looking at 12 to 16 hours. We are two weeks from Inauguration Day, um, so this process needs to be completed, obviously, and completed rapidly. And the the Capitol Police have lost control of of the uh, of the Capitol building, and I don't I don't know when this is going to be able to resume, and I also don't know what security measures will be put into place to ensure it does not happen again. We are watching them play out on television right now something that looks like the closest to a coup attempt that this country has ever watched unfold live on television and maybe ted cruz and josh hawley as they shelter in place right now can be thinking about what they have done to cause this what's the effect if this procedure is carried out but behind National Guard troops and with bayonets drawn. Uh, what are people going to think around the rest of the country, and what could that lead to? You know, I think that is what this is going to come to, right? The country that proclaims itself the greatest democracy in the world, lawmakers counting ballots behind the armed forces. Um, This is so delegitimizing and dangerous for a democracy to have happen. And it's none of it had to happen. None of it should have happened. And these are the dangerous forces that have been unloosed intentionally by wildly irresponsible partisans over the course of these last four years. And 
we need to do something and do something fast to get these toxins out of our Congress. The toxins in our Congress are not just the people who breached this building today. It's the irresponsible lawmakers that made this day possible. David Daly is Senior Fellow at the Voting Rights Group, Fair Vote. And you're listening to the news on WBAI New York and WPFW Washington. I'm Paul DiRienzo. As the violence in Washington threatens a democracy built in the United States over centuries of war and political struggle, voters in the state of Georgia made their choices known. Democrats Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff both won in close races, denying Republicans control of the United States Senate. In an election outcome, Trump also knocked at his speech today. Warnock, a pastor for the same Atlanta church where civil rights leader, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. preached, becomes the first African-American from Georgia elected to the Senate. Ossoff becomes the state's first Jewish senator and at 33 years old, the Senate's youngest member. In his victory speech, Reverend Warnock told about growing up in poverty and subjected to racism and prejudice. My roots are planted deeply in Georgia soil. A child who grew up in the Caton Homes housing projects of Savannah, Georgia. Number 11 out of 12 children. A proud graduate of Morehouse College and the pastor of Ebenezer Baptist Church, the spiritual home of Martin Luther King Jr. and Congressman John Lewis. A son of my late father, who was a pastor, a veteran, and a small businessman and my mother, who as a teenager growing up in Waycross, Georgia, used to pick somebody else's cotton. But the other day, because this is America, the 82-year-old hands that used to pick somebody else's cotton went to the polls and picked her youngest son to be a United States Senator. So I come before you tonight as a man who knows that the improbable journey that led me to this place in this historic moment in America could only happen here. We were told that we couldn't win this election, but tonight we prove that with hope, hard work, and the people by our side, anything is possible. May my story be an inspiration to some young person who is trying to grasp and grab hold of the American dream. And so Georgia, I am honored by the faith that you have shown in me. And I promise you this tonight, I am going to the Senate to work for all of Georgia. No matter who you cast your vote for in this election, in this moment in American history, Washington has a choice to make. In fact, all of us have a choice to make. Will we continue to divide, distract, and dishonor one another? Or will we love our neighbors as we love ourselves? Let us rise up, greet the morning, and meet the challenges of this moment. Together we can do the necessary work and win the future for all of our children. Thank you. God bless you, Georgia. And God bless these United States of America.
Reverend Raphael Warnock declaring his win for the United States Senate seat in Georgia. And President-elect Joe Biden has selected Merrick Garland, a federal appeals court judge who in 2016 was snubbed by Republicans for a seat on the Supreme Court as his attorney general. In picking Garland, Biden is turning to an experienced judge who held senior positions at the Justice Department decades ago, including as a supervisor of the prosecution of the 1995 Oklahoma City bombing. The pick will force Senate Republicans to contend with the nomination of someone they spurned four years ago, refusing even to hold hearings when a Supreme Court vacancy arose. But Biden is banking on Garland's credentials and reputation for moderation to ensure confirmation. Biden is expected to announce Garland's appointment on Thursday, along with other senior leaders of the department, including former Homeland Security Advisor Lisa Monaco as Deputy Attorney General and former Justice Department Civil Rights Chief Vanita Gupta as Associate Attorney General, the number three official. He'll also name an Assistant Attorney General for Civil Rights, Kristen Clark, and President of Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law and Advocacy Group. That's what Kristen Clark is at this time. And finally... A British judge on Wednesday denied bail to WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange, ordering him to remain in a high-security prison while U.K. courts decide whether he will be sent to the United States to face espionage charges. Wednesday's bail ruling means Assange must remain in London's high-security Belmarsh prison, where he has been held since he was arrested in 2019. Assange supporters were outside the court where a 92-year-old protester was arrested by London police. And that was an interesting scene today in front of the Old Bailey where Julian Assange was again denied bail. Rebecca Vincent is the International Campaigns Director of Reporters Without Borders. Really disappointed in today's decision, which we view as unnecessarily cruel. Uh, this judge had the opportunity to make this right going forward. Of course, we can't undo the past 10 years, um, but he should have been released. The mental health issues that we heard detailed on Monday and the physical health risks at COVID are enough to merit his immediate release. He remains at high risk in Belmarsh Prison. But also, as a matter of principle, Julian Assange should not be deprived of his liberty for another moment, let alone weeks or possibly months. So we call again for his immediate release. Um, the, the court has, has the opportunity to make this right. And also there's an opportunity for political intervention in the U.S. in the early days of the Biden administration. We would call on them to break from Trump's legacy, to close the books on this case, and to stop pursuing this vexatious vendetta against somebody for publishing information in the public interest. The International Campaign's Director of Reporters Without Borders, Rebecca Vincent, the U.S. lawyer working to get Assange sent back to the U.S. to face espionage charges, claimed he has the money to skip bail. But Assange's lawyer says the WikiLeaks founder has every incentive to stay in the U.K. and clear his name. And that's some of the news for Wednesday, January 6th, 2021. The news was produced with Linda Perry. Our engineer is Reggie Johnson reporting for WBAI News in New York, WPFW in Washington, D.C., and the Pacifica Radio Network of community and public radio stations in the United States and worldwide. I'm Paul DiRienzo. Thanks for listening. <laughs>